0: Great, well good evening everyone, Great. Um, good evening everyone, I used to be a youth worker so I have great joy in doing that kind of thing, almost like a pantomime sort of thing, Uh, it's just my my training I guess. Um, I've written here, it's good to be with you again. Uh, and I believe that's a true statement. Uh, it, is, it is good uh, to be here with you again. Uh, and as um, Niall said, uh, tonight we're, we're kicking off a new series of talks based on what our core uh, values are um, uh, as a church. And over the last week, you've heard about um, what we sense God uh, is leading us into in this next year and belong. Our vision, what we want to look at together in the evening um, are the values that we need to embody and live. Um, in order to fulfil that vision? Um, Who is it that we need to be if we're going to achieve that vision? Uh, And these values are the culture we want to set as we carry out the vision to be followers of Jesus, sharing the goodness of God with everyone uh, and pioneering new ways of reaching people across the city and seeing God's kingdom come. Um, so, tonight we're looking at the first one, but just to give us an overview of what those um, um, values are courageous, authentic, humble, thankful, trusting God, generous, relational, and fun. They're all right, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Got a very funny noise from the front row. Yeah, they're all right, yeah. Um, they're a good set of values, uh, and it's uh, important, firstly, to say, um, uh, to find out that we know start that again. It's important firstly that we know what they are, but secondly that we're all working to live these things and to grow in each of them. Um, So the way we're gonna do that over the next couple of weeks is you're gonna have some, some nights where there's a bit of a talk like this, and then on other nights it's gonna be TED Talks. Who's familiar with TED Talks? Uh, in general, uh, it's kind of a bit of a thing. So roughly a 10 minute sort of introduction to a value. And on those nights, there'll be two uh, different of the values um, spoken on. And there'll also be time for discussion and then time to respond together as we commit uh, to what, we, what, what the Lord is asking us to be uh, as a church together. Um, and you'll see that as we go on, Jesus embodied perfectly all of these values and other values too. Um, uh, so it's as we come to him allow him to inform our lives that we will uh, live more of the life that he made us to live more of that life in all its fullness that Tom was speaking about at the beginning um, but the value we want to start with tonight is that we would be courageous that we would be courageous so just as a way of starting just turn to someone next to you uh, and tell them how courageous you feel this evening Go ahead. So, um, as we uh, as we go through these various weeks. Um, Uh, There's an amazing resource um, uh, that I've pointed people to Uh, other than looking uh, into the scripture and looking at commentaries. There's also a resource called Pattern, uh, which is something that's been put together by a church called KXC in London, um, who have a load of values, just just hundreds of values that they're seeking to embody as they bring renewal to London, because they're they're in London. Uh, But a lot of their values are very similar to ours. So um, if you have a look online for Pattern, uh, KXC Church you can dig in a little bit uh, more with each of these values and I'm particularly thankful uh, to one of their podcasts um, uh, when I was thinking through this talk tonight by a guy called Jay Pathak who's a vineyard pastor from uh, the States and he has a really unique view on what courage is. So uh, some of what I'm going to say tonight is really built upon uh, the stuff that um, he was saying. He's got, he's got quite a profound view on it. Um, So, um, I wonder what courage means to you. Um, It may mean various things, but courage um, and being courageous is first and foremost uh, a spiritual practice. I don't know whether you've ever thought of it like that. It, It comes from a relationship with Jesus and it's a foundational virtue. Um, a foundational value if you like for example if we were to pick a few of our other values such maybe being generous um, when we get to the end of our comfort with generosity it takes courage to go further if we want to grow in generosity we need to be courageous to trust God it, it requires courage particularly to trust God when we don't know what's going to come when we take that step with him it takes courage In order to trust God. To be authentic with those around us requires courage to some degree. Sometimes at risk of being misunderstood, maybe. To be vulnerable and maybe say when we're struggling requires courage. I heard someone on the front row just then, not mentioning any names, very courageous to sit on the front row (laughs) at church, I did hear that, that was great. Um, But to pioneer, to pioneer, to pioneer new things, things that we can't yet see, maybe that God's dropped into your heart, maybe a vision that he's given you, takes courage. It takes courage to sit there and receive it from the Lord, but it takes exceptional courage to step forward into what he's asking us to do. Um, in whatever context you're in. The number one most repeated command in the Bible is do not be afraid. I don't know if you knew that, Um, that was actually news to me when when I wrote this talk, maybe that's not news to you. Um, It's almost as though, the feeling I got when I I read that, um, God knew something about us. Surprise, surprise. Uh, That perhaps we would turn to fear And perhaps sometimes we would neglect the call on our lives that he's given us because we have a lack of courage. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Have courage. Step forward with me. And all the way through the early church, we see example after example of exceptional courage. I don't know if you've read the book of Acts um, recently. In fact, all they did required just exceptional courage. Um, the reason we're here, the reason we have a church today at all is because of a load of courageous acts that happened right at the beginning. Maybe the reason you're in church, the reason you've come to know the Lord or maybe the reason you're on a journey of meeting the Lord is because someone's been courageous to you and said, "Come, come along, let me tell you about this God who I've received that life from. And Acts 4 is a prime example of this. So if you want to open up Acts 4, um, there's some Bibles around. Switch your phone on, whatever it is uh, that you do. It's not going to come on the screen. So find Acts 4 in the Red Bibles. That uh, starts on page 1095. And Acts is in the New Testament somewhere. 1095. Acts 4, 1 to 22. It goes like this. The priests and captains, so just to give some context, um, Peter and John have just healed uh, a lame person, uh, a lame beggar who's been there for years and it's caused some offence. Uh, that's the kind of little context that this story is in. So Acts 4, uh, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees um, came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the, the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming In Jesus, the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. That's men, plus everyone else, So whoever, however many that was at the time. Females, children, who knows. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? The healing that I spoke about in the previous chapter. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them there was nothing they could say so they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then confer together. What are we going to do with these men? they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after further threats they let let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Lord to God, Don't you love that? I've read it a lot over the last week or so uh, but reading it again then, um, there's something about reading it out loud isn't there? I don't know whether you do that in your own devotions, reading scripture out loud it takes on a whole other uh, meaning when you do. But just to, to say a little bit on it, the Sadducees uh, were religious leaders Um, These were the people who um, Peter and John were brought before in this passage Um, uh, without going massively into it. They had a different view uh, on the Messiah, Um, so they were not looking for a Messiah um, at all at this point. They weren't looking for a Jesus to come. They weren't looking for someone to come and rescue them. Um, And they also denied the idea of the resurrection from the dead, um, which uh, the apostles claimed in Jesus. So everything the apostles were saying about Jesus, these people denied. Um, that, that's what's going on um, so basically the apostles were seen as both heretics uh, and disturbers of the peace and enemies of the truth um, uh, that, that was the stakes um, uh, that were there um, this was a big deal as far as the Sadducees were concerned this was unauthorized preaching from untrained people and what they were saying was utterly against what they held most dear basically they were really annoying everyone uh, by what they were doing and what they were saying Um, So they seized them and put them in prison overnight and the next day sent them for a hearing in front of the Sanhedrin Sanhedrin, um, that consisted of both elders and teachers of the law, like a council if you like. Um, And Annas was there, uh, Luke tells us, as well as Caiaphas, um, Annas' son-in-law. And if we were to look back into John 18, and I only know this because I read it in a commentary then had a look, uh, we'd see that both these men featured prominently in the trial and condemnation of Jesus. Both of them were there at the trial and condemnation of Jesus. So, as they sat there, which apparently was the, um, um, uh, the way they would do it, they would sit in almost an arc shape and people would be invited to come and stand before them and give account um, uh, towards themselves uh, of themselves. Um, but can you imagine the very vivid recent memories of Jesus' trial and what followed that must have been running through their mind? as they walked in. Were they to suffer the same fate in the name of Jesus? Would they to be handed over to be crucified? At the click of a finger. The stakes were really high. I don't know how you'd feel in this particular situation. So they were asked, by what power or by what name did you do this? Um, did you do the healing of the crippled man in the previous chapter? We've got to remember that this is the same Peter that denied Jesus to a local person before Pentecost. And now, after Pentecost, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, after receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, he publicly proclaims Jesus in the court where Jesus was tried. That's quite a transformation of courage, isn't it? The key was that Peter had encountered the risen Jesus and was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the change. He had encountered the risen Jesus and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He knew what Jesus had come to do and through the Holy Spirit, Jesus was with him, helping him in that moment. And I just love that verse, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took notes that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see a man that had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Peter and John were not trained, they were unschooled, they were not Um, they may have well have been articulate um, uh, but they weren't trained, they weren't schooled, they hadn't received any proper rabbinic training, um, they were just ordinary people. Um, But they took note that these men had been with Jesus, who also hadn't really received any formal training, um, as far as we know. Uh, And as well as this, they could see before their eyes a healed man, so there's nothing they could say. Because these men had been with Jesus, Because these men have been with Jesus, and they've done the things of Jesus. There's nothing they could say. You see, I I believe, um, and want to believe, and want to grow in seeing a courage in myself that changes the atmosphere around me. I want to grow in having a courage that changes hearts when I take a step of courage. Whether in church, yes, but anywhere else. And courage in and with Jesus ultimately points people to where we have our courage from. Wouldn't it be amazing if we were known as people who have been with Jesus? That was just what, what we were marked out as. They, they've been with Jesus. There's nothing we can say. I've got news for us tonight. We're with Jesus. Right now, and as we walk out of here. So, what does this mean for us? I, I love this verse from Joshua um, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And we've heard it over the last couple of weeks. It's it's, it's partly what we're pinning things on. The Lord has asked us to be strong and courageous, saying that He'll be with us wherever we go. Uh, And it's often quoted, I absolutely love it. But what does it mean to cultivate a life of courage? What does it mean to live as though that verse is true day by day? We're empowered by the Holy Spirit, um, and that's why we spend time and we emphasise that when we gather together. We want to spend time and allow the Holy Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit of God, to come and breathe upon us. Um, But we're empowered not just to think about ourselves um, with that, uh, but to risk, to risk, to have courage, to potentially suffer as we know they did in the early church, to maybe be misunderstood for the sake of making Jesus known in this city. And Jesus is able to say again and again, that I'm not just doing what I want to do, but I'm doing what my Father wants to do. And that's quite different, isn't it? I'm not filled with the Spirit to just do whatever the heck I like. Jesus is saying, no, it's so that I do what my Father wants to do. And throughout the scriptures, you see Jesus getting away with God um, again and again, hearing again what the Father is saying and doing, and then pushing against expectations uh, of others and his own desires for safety, human desires for safety and comfort. And in Mark 1, Jesus has just been on a bit of a healing spree, you can look at it if you want to. in Mark 1, uh, with his disciples, and overnight a crowd has formed, uh, people want more, because generally when you see one healing, it kind of means that people want a bit of that as well, but I, I don't know how many healings had happened in this particular time, uh, but Jesus had slipped away to pray in solitude, uh, and the disciples come and say, basically, everyone's waiting. It's day two of the healing conference, if you like. And Jesus' response, um, despite the queue of people that are waiting for him to come and do something, is, let's go somewhere else. He just says, let's go somewhere else. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed and Simon and his companions went, companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. Mark 1, 35 to 38. Jesus knew something very true for each of us, that the internal formation, that formation of staying close to the Father and hearing his voice, is what allows us to live courageously internal formation of staying close to the father and hearing his voice is what allows us to live courageously you're going to love this next slide i got kind of into this Um, so here's a few equations for you you see simply staying being filled i can't remember what i put on it internal formation simply staying being film filled um, or just doing the internal formation without the flow of courageous acts Leads us to navel-gazing. And eventually to stagnation. We just become a bit stagnant. And I think there's another word that does it, and we may all feel this at times, we feel a bit bored. We feel a bit cynical. We We actually begin to feel disempowered because we're not doing anything. So simply doing the formation with no flow of courage courageous acts, leads us to navel gazing. Taking risk, having that courageous flow without the internal formation, without spending time in the Father's presence, leads us to hurting ourselves or hurting others or maybe becoming a bit sherry. or maybe just a bit disillusioned in the end because ultimately we're just doing our thing trying to give it the big one be courageous but we've got no power but internal formation with an outflow of courageous flow leads to seeing the kingdom come this is not new this is just, I've just said it slightly differently Kingdom advancement. There's a need to get into the flow of grace with this and allow a closeness to God and a response. Use me, make me bold, make me courageous to see your kingdom advance. To see everything of Jesus come true right here. Right out where I live, right in my workplace, wherever it might be. And in talks such as this, the temptation is often to talk about the remarkable acts of courage um, uh, and they're remarkable because they probably are quite remarkable um, uh, the, the, the kind of people that have those remarkable stories do that effortlessly uh, in some way uh, and we almost begin to put them on a pedestal um, but what can be dangerous with that with the massive stories uh, is it can maybe feel a little bit unreachable <laughs> for us normal people that it speaks about in that passage um, how do we grow in this? Um, i 'd like to tell you an uninspiring story from my own life <laughs> if that 's okay. Um, I hope I hold your attention for this. Um, I 've written here. I have the most uninspiring story to tell you about my week, um, uh, with my journey with courage this week. Um, and I was thinking, I have other stories that I could have picked up on from a little bit further back, maybe boom stories. Uh, praying for the sick, um, seeing people healed, leading people to faith, uh, moving across the country to different places, different churches, because God said so, um, uh, stepping out in prayer ministry, uh, having a go at evangelism, whatever it might be. I've got some stories. You've probably all got a few stories that you might call upon. But I was challenged to say, what was this week? Not last year. What was this week? Um, so as I was thinking through what to say tonight, I put some time aside to do that on Thursday, primarily. And I was sat um, uh, thinking about courage in my study at home, with the heating on, my door shut, and with very nice coffee. I'm feeling very courageous um, as I sat there, um, and I thought to myself, "How about I offer myself to God right now and just walk out the house and see what happens?" Um, so I did. Um, So I asked God, what are you doing? And I continued to ask him this on a 30-minute walk. It was drizzling a little bit, so I put my hood up to begin with, um, uh, and then I had to put my my hood down thinking I wasn't approachable enough. So then it started torrentially raining, so I had to put my hood back up. So there's quite a process going on. Um, But I was expecting to see several people to pray for for healing, uh, instantly, I didn't really see anyone that overtly needed healing, so not that I expect. I asked God for a few words as I walked past people. Probably looked a bit weird, eyeballing them when I didn't know them, um, and nothing particularly landed. So I thought, well, oh, that, that doesn't seem to be happening. Um, in fact, there was one point on my little walk where I really didn't see anyone at all, uh, and there's me trying to be courageous. Um, so um, nothing seemed to be happening at all in my little uh, flirt flirtation with courage on Wednesday um, and I don't know whether you've ever been on a slightly aimless prayer walk before, has anyone ever been on one of those? Where well, you start out feeling like a world changer and halfway through you are like what are we doing? What are we doing? I don't, I don't really know. It felt a little bit like that. It felt like a world changer, like we were going to see the early church break out at the beginning and about halfway round, when there was no one there and it was torrentially raining I thought to myself maybe, maybe not. Uh, not today. Um, so I asked, decided to ask God about this. I was like, okay, come on. Um, I'm preaching on courage. Um, what, what do you mean by this? Um, and he simply said, um, what, I, what I sensed him say was, I'm looking for availability. I'm looking for availability. And then he said to me, it was courageous to make yourself available today in a limited time you had to write a talk. So how available are you? What if every day you did something a little more courageous? What if every day you made yourself a little bit more available to those opportunities, whatever that might look like in your context? Maybe a little bit more encouraging, a little bit more loving, maybe speaking up about Jesus a bit more when you get the opportunity. I believe that if we did that, we'd continue to grow and God would find us to be very useful for his kingdom. Are you available? What are you doing Lord today? Show me and crack on see what he says. Final thing I'm going to say and then we're going to respond. What stops us from a life of courage? What stops me from a life of courage? Um, I think comfort is one I don't know whether that is one for you I think it's often comfort I think we live underneath the myth the lie uh, that the more comfortable I become the happier I'll be Uh, and even as we speak that out we almost laugh at it as a lie but then if we look at our lives on a day-to-day basis we're kind of living that lie a lot of the time Maybe fear of failure. We all want to look good and do right. Yeah? Does anyone want to look bad and do wrong? I think we have to look a bit foolish and make mistakes in order to grow. Um, And I think God asks us to maybe look a bit foolish and make some mistakes to grow in him uh, at times. Not for the sake of it, but for the sake of stepping out for the kingdom. Um, uh, And many of you have probably uh, got stories of that. Well, I only think we get better by doing it wrong. Maybe for some of us, that fear of failure is based on the past. Someone uh, in our staff team, we were we're sharing things and just a sense of disillusionment where there's been failure in the past. So it just kind of stopped us. Another one is uh, that sense of being, um, that you're going to be found out that people are going to think you're a fraud. Um, uh, That's one I think that can stop us in our tracks. Um, But we're all frauds, because none of us could get back to Jesus. Um, So it's all by grace anyway. We're not going to be found out, we already have. When Jesus looked directly into us and says, you're loved and forgiven. Um, So that's that one gone. If we want to grow in courage, we start being courageous and so much of what, um, how to grow spiritually is we can't just think about it, we have to do it and we have to practice it. Um, I don't know about you but I want to look on the outside um, the way I believe on the inside because I think that's integrity but I also think that takes courage. To join those two things together Um, and we only get that through internal formation and being available for God to give us opportunities to be courageous that time with the father hearing his his voice his love again for us then being available for opportunities to be courageous um, wherever we are so I'd love to just take a moment before we respond um, we'll do some ministry just to, uh, just to discuss amongst one another. What are, what are the things that stop you being courageous? And then we're going to give them to the Lord and he's going to breathe on it and bring it to life. Um, uh, if that sounds good. So turn to those around you. What, what stops you being courageous? And then we'll pray. Go for it.